0: Hi there. If you don't know me, my name's Jonathan. Hello, Church in the Sky. Are you all right? Good. One of you is all right. The rest I'm not too sure about. Morning, everyone. We're continuing our series this morning on the fruits of the Spirit. And just as I was walking up, somebody said to me, what is that fruit down the, the bottom there? And the answer is, I have no idea, but Should you really be bored during the meeting, you can spend your time trying to work out what fruit is what on there. And answers on a postcard. What, sorry? It's an olive. An olive. Okay, well, we won't go into that now, but answers on a postcard, please, into the front office as to what the different fruits are. The fruit of the Spirit. Why are we talking about the fruit of the Spirit? Because God is wanting us as Christians to engage, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to bear fruit in our lives. He he wants us to be a fruitful people. And I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but if you weren't, I strongly recommend you go online and listen to John preaching. Uh, I thought he shared inspirationally, wonderfully, about how uh, what we're talking about is not a new moral code, or not some sort of self-help scheme, Not how to make everyone a bit better than they are already, but actually how we can walk and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to allow the fruit of the Spirit to be seen in our lives. Well worth a listen. I'd recommend it. And uh, today, uh, the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be looking at is gentleness. Now stop. Any men here? I just want you, don't switch off. If you're listening online, don't turn off. Stay with me, please, just a little while longer. You see, I don't know what your picture of gentleness is, but I did ask a few people this week, and you get some funny ideas, really. What does gentleness look like? <laughs> is it Andrex toilet rolls and puppies? Is it people with fluffy things? Oh. I'm really not torture sure about this. I think that's a contradiction in terms, really. (laughs) But we won't go there. Or maybe your picture of gentleness is something more like a gentle giant, a friendly giant. Or maybe even monsters have their soft side. Who knows? Well, I want to tell you this morning that whether there are elements of truth in that or not, I'm not sure. But the Bible picture of gentleness is not that and what we want is a true Bible picture of gentleness where do we get that well the obvious place that we learn about what God is like the picture we have of what God is like is Jesus the one we've been worshipping this morning the one we've been enjoying his presence this morning Jesus the man of the Spirit par excellence there's been no one like him not gentle Jesus Meek and mild, like the old song used to say, but the Jesus we follow, the Jesus, you men, who is our hero in life, this Son of God, this Son of God who was brave enough to leave behind the glories of heaven, to come to this earth, to become a man like us in our humanity, who lived and worked and sweated a perfect sinless life, who had the guts to take on the religious establishment of his day, who had the guts to take on the political establishment of his time, who had the courage to go to the cross and suffer death, who had the courage to go down into hell and emerge with a host of captives and return to his father. Triumphant! This Jesus, that's our hero, this Jesus who sits at God's right hand, this courageous, gutsy, triumphant Jesus is in his own words. This is what he said. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. So come on guys, I don't care how butch, how macho, how old man we think we are or we are, we've got something to learn and we've got nothing to fear in our manhood this morning from Jesus, our hero. We need to be renewed, transformed by the renewing of our minds. How we think about gentleness is from the Bible, from God, from how Jesus is. So we're going to just take a verse from a a passage in Philippians that Steve spoke so powerfully from when he spoke on peace a couple of weeks ago. And here it comes. I've left the first verse in, really. We're not focusing on that. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's good to say it, isn't it? Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Of course, you all know, because you're well, well-schooled, well-trained, the Bible wasn't written in English the New Testament was written in Greek we have a translation and actually you know uh, when you translate from one language to another sometimes it's difficult to catch exactly the meaning in one word and if you look at some of the different translations of this verse you'll see it renders it slightly differently here it is again in the New Living Translation always be full of joy in the Lord I say it again rejoice let everyone see that you are considerate In all you do, remember the Lord is coming soon. In fact, if you look at other translations, you'll see different words used for gentleness. And they're not contradictions, they're not a a problem to us. What they actually do is they fill out the picture of what God is saying to us through this verse written by Paul. They actually kind of add to our understanding of what it means. So, The first word we read was gentleness, but if you look at other versions, you'll see words like this. Restraint. Reasonableness. Moderation. Consideration. Forbearance. Gracious attitude. And like I say, to me, these kind of just fill out our understanding of what does this Mean? What should we be like? What characteristic of God and Jesus are we trying to replicate here? Gentleness is the very opposite of a stroppy spirit, if I can call it that. Contentious. It's the very opposite of a self seeking approach. In fact, One of the hallmarks of all these words here to me is a selflessness. Putting others first. Here's a definition that I came across. Gentleness is a sensitive way of being. A kindness of behaviour. Founded on strength. Prompted by love. That's good, isn't it? I think that's really good. It's a sensitive way of being. A kindness of behavior founded on strength and prompted by love. Being gentle doesn't mean you compromise or that you're indifferent or vague. It's, being gentle is not a sort of, well, whatever, you know, anything for a quiet life. That's not gentleness. It's about being in control, self-control, control of our spirits. It's about not exercising my power and my right. It's about not taking my pound of flesh. Forbearance. Not being touchy. That's a good biblical word, isn't it? Not being touchy. Not being quick to take offence. Being long-suffering. Do I take offence easily? Gentleness is the opposite of selfish ambition. Gentle people are not conceited. They don't provoke and envy one another. It's an expression of humility, considering the needs and hurts of others before our own. And the best way that we can see this perhaps and, and grasp a bit more of what this means for us is to consider who God is and how he is with us. And of course, the best way we see that is in Jesus, God's great, greatest visual aid. The invisible God made visible in the person of Jesus. So let's look at this, because I think this is true. You see, God is gentle with us, but he's not soft. God is strong with us, he's not weak. God loves us, but it's not all there, there. God loves us with a real, <coughs> a real and a powerful love. A love stronger than death. We've been singing about it this morning. God is not harsh. God has never been harsh with me in my life. He's been ruthless, but he's never harsh. You see, God has not treated me... The way my sins deserve. How about you? I haven't got what I deserved. I really haven't. Psalm 18 verse 35 says this. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand supported me. And your gentleness, God, made me great. Isaiah prophesies about the coming of the Lord in Isaiah 40. Yes, The sovereign Lord is coming in power. Hooray! He will rule with a powerful arm. Hooray! See, he brings his reward as he comes with him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Our God who brings fire to Elijah also speaks in a still, small voice. Founded on strength, prompted by love. You see, Jesus, God in human form, fulfills Isaiah's Old Testament prophecy. This is what Isaiah said about the Messiah, and Jesus quoted it. He will not crush the weakest reed, He won't put out a flickering candle. Isn't that lovely? If you're a bit older school, you might recognize it. He will not break a bruised reed. And the smoking flax, he won't put out. Jesus wasn't soft or weak, but he was and is gentle, full of grace and truth. You know, in in God, unlike in us, Power and gentleness are not, are not opposites. They're not contradictions. They're actually beautifully brought together. Jesus and Peter had an interesting relationship. You'll know at one point, if you've read your Bible at all, that Jesus prophesied to Peter at one point that he will deny him three times. What's that? Well, that's truth. And actually, it was true. It happened. He did. And Jesus looked causes Peter to run out and weep bitterly he knows he's let his lord down but when jesus was raised from the dead he takes peter aside and he restores him that's grace truth and grace done with gentleness you see there's no contradiction in jesus either between power and gentleness in fact meekness another word is, is actual power that is kind of restrained self Restrained, which is a fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew's accounts say that the disciples they drew a sword, and Jesus says, Put your sword away. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. Listen to this. Do you not do you think that I cannot call my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? That's power. Like that. Do you not think, as they try to arrest Jesus, says Jesus, do you not think that I could just call on my Father and 12 legions of angels will turn up? But then, how would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? You see, that's power in restraint. That's, I'm not going to wield the power that I could wield Because I'm submitted to the will and the purpose of God. That's what Jesus is. That's power. That's gentleness. He is our example in every way. And if you don't take anything else away from this morning, I I want to encourage you. When you think about gentleness, think about Jesus. Go to the Gospels. Read about how he was. See gentleness in action. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you what that is. You see, because gentleness is, okay well, maybe it's something we should have, but we sort of keep quiet about it. Well, that's not the case. Gentleness is a quality to see. It's a quality that we should be proud of. It's a quality that we should be known for. Let's go back to that verse again. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Everyone in here, everyone out there, everyone wherever you go. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. That doesn't sound really, does it, like a sort of a world-beating strategy. I think the world encourages us to cover up our weaknesses. Don't let them see. Don't let them think that you're not up to it. Put a front on. No, no, we're to let our gentleness be known to everyone. Why? Well, because it speaks of who our God is. It speaks of how our God is. We shouldn't hide it. We should have a reputation. Known to all is a reputation, isn't it? What's your reputation? What are you known for at home or at work? Many of you will know something of my story, and I'm not going to bore you with the long version this morning, but in my life I had a season Uh, where I really lost my way with God. It was quite a long season. And uh, as I was trying to find my way back, I used to go to church, and uh, I kind of felt, well, I'm trying, God. I'll turn up at your place, and uh, I'll see if you turn up. The thing was, when God didn't turn up the way I thought he should have turned up, it used to make me mad. Well, what was interesting is when God in his grace and his mercy finally sorted me out, got me back on track, and actually I was, I was coming in back into church leadership again, I discovered something through my kids, actually. And uh, the kids were saying, ah, we were talking to our friends, that they were really surprised when they saw you out the front. I said, well, why is that? He said, because they thought you were the grumpy guy at the back. <laughs> the grumpy guy at the back. That was my reputation. That was why I was known to all. I'm, I'm not proud of it, but it's the truth. What's your reputation? How do we develop or change our reputation? I hope I've changed my reputation. If you see me at the back and I'm looking grumpy, you have permission to come and tell me. But you know, our reputation is important. Our reputation as individuals and as a church is important. It was great to hear a story, I think Steve shared it the other day, about someone that Brian overheard coming into the conference, not part of the church or whatever, talking about. What a great this is a great church. They they do all this stuff. They our reputation in the city, we wanna we want that to be a God reputation. What are we known for? Well, they're they're, they're sort of like God, really. They love people, serve people. I know in in CAP, you know, uh, the council are starting to say these people can can help. You know, we want our reputation to grow and grow and become more godlike. Similarly with our own, too. How do we become, how does our reputation grow? Well, I would suggest it grows by dealing with others as God has dealt with us, whether they're inside or outside the church. So I've just got a few little things, um, a little tests for us this morning. Are you up for a test? I won't be marking it. You're all right. Okay. Oh, that's the wrong one. Let's go back. Okay. So here are the tests. Because I find when I allow the, the, the Bible to speak to me, it challenges my heart. And uh, I think there's some challenging stuff here. But I want you to remember this, that we are all of us, the Bible says, being changed from one degree of glory to another. You know, and a degree sometimes is not very big, but we are changing bit by bit. By the Spirit's power, we are being changed. So it's not where you start from, it's where you're heading to. It's, it's what you are becoming that's important, not where you started Ephesians 4, verse 2 says this Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We are to gently bear with one another, just like God bears with me. That's the point. You see, God puts up with my failures and my foibles. God loves me with all my weaknesses and my worries. God walks with me when I'm grumpy and thankless. God doesn't give up when he hears me on my soapbox for the nth time about something that's really not very important. Fran does, but God doesn't. (laughs) That's how he is with me. How am I with others? Am I bearing with others' weaknesses and foibles? Am I bearing with their worries, their grumpiness? It reveals my heart. How am I with those who struggle and mess up? That too reveals my heart. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently... And humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Do you get the gentleness in that? You know? It's not coming in like the cavalry. Well, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, that's your own silly fault. No, actually it's coming in with a gentleness of spirit that is helping a brother or sister back onto the path and conscious that you too are subject the same sort of temptations and difficulties check your heart do I want to see them restored let's be honest do I want to see them get through or do I actually think really that they're getting what they asked for well I didn't get what I asked for I didn't get what I deserve God's constant grace and mercy to me is something I've never deserved and never will Are you dealing with someone who's struggling in their walk with God? Their passion has gone. Do we deal with them gently and humbly? I've got to tell you, there have been moments where Fran has had to remind me of my own history. When I've been perhaps sharing with her about someone who's struggling and perhaps getting a bit, and she says to me, you were like that once you were like that and God has sorted you and God can sort them and you know that's a key to our Christian lives that we keep need to remember isn't it you know when we are inside or outside the church we were once lost we were once far from God we were once a long way from where we should be and God didn't give up on us let's never forget where we have come from and what God has done I don't get what I deserve because God doesn't crush the weakest reed and he doesn't put out a flickering candle. Well, let's get a bit more antsy. How am I with those who oppose me? Do you give it to them? Do you sock it to them? I told them what the truth was. Well, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 23 it says this, Again I say, Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and patient with difficult people. Now, I know we don't have any difficult people here, but in case you might have some difficulty with me, I thought I'd read that out. The verse goes on gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Hear that? Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Not your job to change their hearts, that's his job. My job is to gently share the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts. Makes a huge difference. Don't get involved. Can I say that? Brothers and sisters, family, church. Don't get involved in silly arguments that only leads to fights. It's not worth it. James 3.17 says this, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. Do you you get this sense, this gentleness, this, this selflessness here again? Full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Shows no favoritism and is always sincere. That's what God wants us to be like. Now, here's a good bit of free practical advice. It's from Proverbs 15 verse 1. It says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Now I want to tell you I've tried that, I've tried that at work, I've tried that with Christians I've tried that with people who aren't Christians I've tried it everywhere I've gone, it works it really works I've tried the other one as well but well, that sort of works but it doesn't produce the same thing and of the two on balance I would say I'd go with the Proverbs one because it tends to work out better final test. How am I with those who are not yet Christians? The ignorant and wayward, the Bible very, very honestly calls us when we are not Christians. Well, Hebrews 5 verse 2 describes the role of the high priest and also describes the role of our great high priest, Jesus. And it says this, he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people like us because he himself is Is subject to the same weakness Jesus became like us to experience what we experience he became a man he experienced temptation he knows what it's like and yet he was without sin but he can sympathize how much more should I be able to sympathize with those who are not yet followers of Jesus We can be gentle with others because we understand what it's like if we remember. We can be gentle because God has been gentle with us. I see this going on. I'm privileged to see it. I see it in the soup service. I see it in CAP. I see it it going on in the church. I see it in Alpha. Great joy to be in Alpha where we welcome and we accept people. And as Steve Lee so well puts it, it's not about me, you know, there's your truth and here's my truth and I'm going to trump yours and it's not about that. It's actually about meeting people and finding out about people and accepting them and loving them and hearing their hearts and hearing their pains and hearing their questions and their cries. When we share the good news about Jesus, how he's changed our lives, let's do it gently. If you're talking to a weak reed, for want of a better word, don't break it. Foster what is there. Look for things that you can draw on. If you're talking to someone who's like a candle that's flickering, don't blow it out. Don't blow them away. Foster it to flame. Share with them the kindness and the mercy of God. God who is always looking for ways to draw us back to himself. Jesus, the Bible tells us, didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. That's why it's good news. If he came to condemn the world, that would be bad news. It's good news. He's come to save the world. Perhaps, perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. What a great positive way to approach sharing our faith, isn't it? It's, it's not sharing it sort of, oh, they're not going to like it, oh, they're going to get pushed back. No, no, actually, perhaps God will change their hearts and they too, like us, will come to know the truth. Challenging things. And my conclusion, and as I come on to my final bit, is, well, if this is what God is asking us to do, I don't know about you, but I need help. I need help and the good news is help is at hand as Mrs. Danforth once wonderfully said <laughs> what can help us well we need help this is impossible to do as i said at the beginning we're not trying to become nicer we're not trying to sort of you know pull our bootstraps ourselves up by our bootstraps and become better people it's actually a work of the Holy Spirit in us. The first verse we read said, Rejoice in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. That's actually relatively easy. I can go into my study, shut the door, focus on God, and I can rejoice in the Lord. It's asking me to do something like that, to look at the Lord. But this exhortation to gentleness actually involves becoming more like the Lord. And that is a tall order. In fact, impossible without the Holy Spirit. It's not just a character trait we're talking about that we're born with. Some of us are born, we are more gentle than others. That's the truth. It's not about that. It's about how we grow to become more like Jesus. Some of us may have a head start on this particular characteristic, but it's not about that. It's growing to be more like Jesus. I read recently in a book, you know, where do we put our efforts? If we put our efforts into growing our relationship with Jesus then we will become more like him. It's a much better way of doing things than putting our efforts into trying to be like him and hoping that all works out. It's about our walk with God and our walk with the Spirit. So the Lord is near. Bit of a funny thing to say. Made me stop and think when I first read it. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. But as I thought about it, I think there are two ways that this can help us because I I believe this actually impacts our behavior and our perspectives the Lord is near his constant presence that's what it's reminding us of his constant presence so God is near us with us in us watching over us not to catch us out he's not like some visiting school teacher he's on our side and his presence is helps remind us of his gentleness toward us. It softens my heart. Being conscious of his presence makes me more aware of his grace to me. That's when I'm most aware of what God has done for me and how I should be with other people. I think it's true, is it, that that for good or ill, we all behave differently when we're with different people. So... Men without their wives. People on a stag night behave differently to when they're surrounded by other people. You know, it does. For good or ill, actually, who we are with can impact our behavior. It's just the same. more time, the more conscious we are of God's presence, the more it changes us. We're impacted. We sense his presence. We know his presence. We feel his spirit with us. We walk daily in his spirit the other aspect you can see there is is this that actually the Lord is near can also be translated the Lord is coming soon maybe we don't talk about this often enough it's a promise that he made Jesus is coming again if you didn't know that this is the news Jesus is coming again he's promised and he will do it and he's coming in glory now I think I need to spend more time pondering what does that mean. Because my eyes and my life can get really caught up with what's going on down here. But you know, Jesus is coming again. And all that's going on down here will become irrelevant. When I was working in industry, they used to do things like helping us with stress and whatever and... and, uh, So they used to give us lots of stress, but then give us courses on how we were supposed to handle it, which I thought was an interesting idea, you know. uh, Anyway, we won't go into that. But the the point was this. They used to say things like, just stop and think, in 20 years' time, will it make any difference? And I used to think, in 20 years' time, I'll be retired, and I couldn't care less. (laughs) But, you know, there is a spiritual equivalent of that. There really is. The Christian version is will this matter in the light of eternity when I am with my Lord when I am in the new creation will actually this thing that might be so big for me or such a big issue for me will it actually really matter and you know that can put a different complexion on what we do what we say how we are what we argue about Someone once said this, what's the point of this rivalry, this self-assertion? The end is coming when you will have to give up everything. Bear with others now that God may bear with you then. We can afford to be gentle in the light of eternity. Let's let that soak into our hearts. Could the band come back up, please, draw to a close? So let me just remind you, God is gentle, but he's not a softy. His love is strong, it's ruthless. It's the love that sent Jesus to the cross. It's a love that's stronger than death. Jesus so clearly shows us God's strong and gentle nature. Full of grace and truth, with a gentle and a humble heart. And to help us become more like him, he has given us his spirit who lives in us, who works with us. And I felt uh, just that God put it on my heart. It would be good just as we close to invite the Holy Spirit to, to do that. Just as we've honored Jesus in our worship earlier on, that we actually invite the Holy Spirit just to come and touch our hearts afresh.